I was wondering this week, you know, uh, Trisha and I had an evening free, and so we sat down, and we were watching uh, a Hallmark Christmas movie, and I'm just curious, how many of you like the Hallmark Christmas movies? Mostly women. There's some guys, and guys, you're lying. I know you do, too. You just don't want to admit it. And we sit there, and we watch this, and I thought to myself, how cool would it be to live in a Christmas Hallmark movie? I mean, let me, l- l- let me explain. No one's ever cold, right? Even in the middle of a snowstorm, just a light sweater will do. They're fine. Uh, you know, the snow's always clean. It's never dirty. It's always at the perfect consistency to hit your loved one with. Um, you know, it, it, uh, there's always hot chocolate on every single street corner that you come to. It must be awesome, although maybe it doesn't taste good because they never drink it. They just kind of hold it. But they always have it. That, that must be nice. Uh, everyone seems to love their jobs. Everyone's kids are always well-behaved. Everyone's dogs are always well-trained. No one ever seems to be in too big of a hurry to get anywhere. Nothing is ever stressful. It always works out how it's supposed to work out. In a Hallmark Christmas movie, there seems to be peace. But we sit here because that's not real life, is it? You and I know this isn't real life because let's be honest, if your life is anything like mine... What truly is happening is I'm always cold. I can't layer enough. The snow is always gross. It's always dirty, and it never packs nicely. And even if it did pack nicely, if you hit your loved one with a snowball, they're not going to play giggly back with you. They're going to be mad. They're going to call you a jerk and not talk to you for two and a half hours. That's what happens. I never once have been offered hot chocolate walking down the road. Never. My job is stressful. The kids are always a mess. I tell you what, my dog is not trained. You come to my house, guaranteed you will be jumped on and possibly piddled on as well. That is a promise. They're not trained. We're always late for everything. Always. We're always scrambling. We're always trying to get somewhere and driving too quickly. The things don't always work out. This isn't peaceful, right? But, but we just lit this candle that signifies peace. We just greeted one another and blessed one another with that phrase, may the God of peace be with you. So where is this peace? We're not the only ones that have looked for this. You know, across the pages of history, we see people, particularly God's people, longing for, for peace in their lives too. And so I want to jump back into the Old Testament today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, or you can Google Isaiah 26, it'll pop up. Um, and so let's step back here a little bit, and let me share with you what is written in Isaiah chapter 26. It says this, In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Okay, so we read that and we read it through pretty quick, but I just want to this morning take a a moment to kind of break down some of these words a little bit closer so that we have a better understanding of this. Because Isaiah begins this chapter in verse 1, and he says, In that day, in that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. What Isaiah is saying is, in that day, he's, he's 
forward-looking. This is a future day, the future day when the Messiah will come, a future day when God will give ultimate redemption and judgment. Judgment of what? Well, judgment of the unrighteous. Well, that's just a fancy word for saying those people who have gone against God, those people who have gone against God's people will be judged. But it's also a day of redemption. A day of redemption for God's people who have been faithful, faithful maybe even in the, in the face of, of bad circumstances. They've been faithful. So God's people in this day, and this is written, they had experienced God's judgment for their unfaithfulness, but they've also experienced something more. They're experiencing the physical attacks of enemies that are surrounding them. Look, this time would have felt like a war zone to these people. This would have been a time filled with uncertainty, filled with anxiety, filled with constant fear of being attacked. And here in the midst of all of these things going on in these people's lives, Isaiah steps up to make a prophetic statement to these people. And he says, look, and one day in the land of Judah, everyone will sing this song and the song will be about God's great protection and his peace. And then he goes on to say this. In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. What song? Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. So they would sing this song about how their city was strong. They would sing this song about being surrounded by God's salvation. So essentially what these people were really looking for, were longing for, were trying to get was peace. They wanted wanted peace, and what the people of that day were experiencing, I think, goes beyond anything we can imagine here. Their fears and their anxieties of what they're facing would have been huge. Now, I don't say that to belittle our fears and anxieties, because they're real too. Our fears and anxieties often come from families and jobs and even at Christmas time we think about finances and all these things that can cause these fears and anxieties but I tell you what the antidote to all of these fears and anxieties whether for them or for us is exactly the same the antidote is is peace and so I asked what if what if we all had just a little more peace this Christmas wouldn't that be great so let me jump ahead into Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, and, and he talks about this. He says, look, you will keep in perfect peace. This verse is going to help us to unwrap this gift of peace that, that Jesus has for us. And in fact, I would even, if you have your Bible, circle the word you or underline the word you. This is a key word here because it says you will keep in perfect peace. Not me, you You, God, he's saying, look, you are the source of true peace for the people of this day and the people of our day today. This peace isn't of ourselves. It's not a peace I can muster up in my own chest. It's not a a peace that I can construct or build. It's not a peace I can control. This peace comes from God himself. That is where this perfect peace comes from. And that's exactly how Isaiah describes it. He doesn't just say, hey, you have peace. He says, you will keep in perfect peace, he said. This perfect peace, this is an actual Hebrew word that means shalom. 
It's shalom. You might have heard that before. The, the, the interesting thing about this is that in the original text, this wouldn't have been repeated just once. He would have said, you will keep in shalom, shalom. Because multiple shaloms means perfect peace. In fact, Charles Spurgeon says these words. He says it's the Hebrew way of expressing emphatic peace, true and real peace. He says he calls it double peace, peace of great depth and vast extent. And where does this peace come from? He says it comes from you, you God, the God who brings strength, the God who brings protection, the God who brings salvation. That is the God that will bring perfect peace is through you, not through me. It's made me think of uh, times, you know, when I was a young boy, I loved hanging out with my dad. I would do everything with him, go everywhere with him. And as a young boy, I can remember times when there was chaos everywhere. I can remember times when we were in situations where there was danger. But as a boy, it didn't matter to me because I was with my dad. And I felt confident. I felt invincible and protected. I was at peace as long as he was with me. It's never, it's never the absence of danger or chaos that, that brings peace. Peace isn't found in absence. Peace is found in presence. It's, it's in the presence of our Heavenly Father that we can find peace. It's through Emmanuel, God with us, that we can find peace. He says, you, you will keep in shalom, shalom, perfect peace. Couldn't we use that more this Christmas? Perfect peace. So if this is true then I have to ask this question. If, if, if we know that peace is a gift from God and we know that it's not of ourselves, then how do we make it part of our lives? How do we tap in to this peace that Isaiah is speaking of? Well, he goes on to say this, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Look, the text is telling us here that, look, the pathway to perfect peace, it has to do with our trust and has to do with our thoughts. It has to do with who or what we are trusting in and who or what we are thinking about. In fact, Isaiah says, God will keep in perfect peace all who, what, trust in you. Trust in you. I, I think we can keep it real this morning. And I can say this, you know, oftentimes in our lives we lack peace because of who or what we are putting our trust in. We lack peace because we're putting our, our faith and our trust in something or someone that's not God himself. Maybe you're putting your faith and trust in another person, which if that's the case, then we know people are sinful, people are broken, people make mistakes, they will fail, they will drop the ball, expectations will be broken. When you put your faith and trust in another person, it will do nothing but bring fear, and your peace will evaporate. Maybe you put your peace, uh, your faith and trust in, in a, an opportunity or a job, and you think, but if I could just get this thing, then I will have peace. We know that's a lie. Maybe you've put your peace in a, or your faith and trust in a relationship. Again, people are broken. I am going to fail you, guaranteed. And you are going to fail someone else as well, not because you don't love them or not because you don't care about them, but because we're not perfect. 
If you're looking for perfect peace, it's not going to be found in another person, ever. Or maybe you put your, your faith and trust in the answer to a prayer, which I say be careful there because we want to put our faith and our trust in the one who answers prayer, not the prayer itself. You will find perfect peace when you are putting your faith and trust in God above all else. In fact, this reminds me of Psalm 20, verse 7 and 8, where David writes these words. He said, some trust in chariots and others in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we will rise up and stand firm. Look, what David is echoing is these words from Isaiah. He's saying, look, you can put your trust in anything you want, but it's going to let you down. In this broken world, you are going to be let down unless you put your your faith and trust in one. He says, we'll trust in the name of the Lord our God. Only when you place your trust in him can you find shalom, shalom, perfect peace. Which makes me wonder, have you today put your trust in Jesus? Have you found that peace with God that I'm speaking of? You know, there's a verse that I memorized a while back, and it's one that I've said over and over in my mind. It comes from Psalm 91, too. It says, This I declare about the Lord. You alone are my refuge, my place of safety. You are my God, and I trust Him. And I trust Him. You know, I, I say this verse because... Quite honestly, it's, it's easy to quote this verse when things are going well. It's easy to quote this verse on a normal day. It's easy to quote this verse when I feel like I'm in control. But, but what about the abnormal days? What about the days that are difficult? What about the days when things don't go as planned? Can you still say you trust in the Lord when you don't have control or when the brokenness of this world is causing you hurt and pain? Because I'm telling you, it's in there that true peace can be found. And this this takes me to a critical moment. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord, if you've never said these words, He is my God and I trust Him, then I want to give us a chance to do that right now. So I want to lead us just in a prayer today. And from the quietness of your own seat and your own heart, maybe if you've never said this prayer, this morning is morning for you. And I would encourage you just to repeat these words after me. So let's close our eyes and pray for a moment. Maybe you pray this prayer. Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me. Forgive me for putting my trust in myself. Forgive me for putting my trust in anything but you, Lord. I want to surrender my life to you today. I want to put my trust in you today. I want you to lead me today. Amen. I don't know what's happened in this room. I don't know who might have said that prayer this morning, but I'm grateful and in an amazing commitment that you just made, I would love to know about if if you'd be willing to share with me.
But there's a flip side of this coin as we continue. Because I know what some of you might be thinking in this room, honestly, because I was thinking it too. You might be saying something like, look, Charles, I put my trust in Jesus. I have. I have made him and accepted him as the leader and savior of my life. I have done that. And yet there are days when I don't feel this peace you're talking about. So what does that mean? Did it not take? Did I do something wrong? Did it not count? Did I, did, am I not trusting in the Lord like you're talking about? Because I'm trying to. So why don't I feel that peace? If that's your question, then let me respond by saying this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's look at the second half of verse 3 here. Because remember, the pathway to perfect peace has to do with our trust, and it has to do with what our, our thoughts. That's why verse 3 goes on to say, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I love in Pastor Craig Herschel's book, Winning the War of Your Mind, a great book if you're looking for some Christmas read, um, he says these words. He says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think shapes who we are. What he's saying is, look, our, our current state of peace, yes, it has much to do with our trust, of course, but our trust isn't always the main influencer of our thoughts. Let, let me give you an example of what I mean. And I'll... And I'll I'll use a story from the New Testament. It's a story that might be familiar to you. It's about Peter when he is wanting to step out of the boat and walk on the water with Jesus, right? He, he, he wants to come out on the water. Jesus calls Peter out onto the water. He says, yes, come out, walk with me. And in trust, Peter steps out of the boat. Because he's trusting the Lord, and he's walking on the water. He's really doing it. I mean, this would have been incredible. But you know the story, right? Something happened. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. His thoughts left Jesus, and he began to think about what? He thought about the wind, and he thought about the waves, and he saw the water crashing around him. And in that moment, his thoughts overtook his trust. In that moment, he lost sight of Jesus. And the same thing can happen to you and I. We can be trusting in Jesus, but quite oftentimes our thoughts can be overtaken by the wind and the waves of life that are surrounding us. And, but that's why Isaiah says this, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Maybe you want to underline that too, fixed on you. This is the Hebrew word that means somak, that means to prop or, or to lean upon, it says. And this makes me think of of this well-known scripture in Proverbs, you may know this, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? There's trust. But then it says, and lean not, and somak, that Hebrew word, not, on your own understanding, it says. So what are we leaning on? What are we propping ourselves up with when it comes to our thoughts? Where do our minds go when you're starting to lose peace? Because oftentimes our minds are shifting from Jesus and his truth and his circumstances to our own understanding and thoughts about our own circumstances. And I tell you, our own thoughts and our own understanding about our circumstances is about this big. We don't see everything he sees. We don't know everything he knows. We just see this much. 
Our understanding is so limited. And that's why I love, I, I love this statement I read. It says, to have this perfect peace, your mind cannot occasionally come to and lean upon the Lord. No, no, it has to be stayed on him. It has to be fixed on him. And so I want to leave us with this. If this is true, then how in the world are we supposed to do this? What can we do to, to keep this peace that, that we're talking about? Well, let me tell you, it happens through prayer. It happens through scripture, and it may happen through memorizing some scripture. Maybe you memorize a verse like I did, like Psalm 91, 2, that you can say in times where you're lacking peace just to remind yourself. Maybe it's through that. But ultimately here, what's going to really unlock this peace in our minds, the, our, our trust and our thoughts is going to come through prayer. It's going to come through prayer, and we know that it's going to come through prayer because of what Philippians 4 has to say. It says, don't worry about anything. Okay, sure. And instead, pray about everything. Okay, good. And then how are we supposed to pray about everything? He goes on to say, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. How, a simple formula for prayer, he gives it to us here. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. And then he uses this word, then. Then is a key word because this tells us that there's another step. The praying is the first step that leads us to the second step, which is what? Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, experiencing shalom, shalom, experiencing that perfect peace happens when we place our trust in God, yes, but we combine that with fixing our thoughts on God, and both of those actions of trust and of thoughts is going to be expressed through prayer. Prayer is the most powerful weapon you possess when it comes to finding peace. It's through prayer. And that's why we want to end this way today. If, if you're sitting here today and, and and you're at a place where you need some peace in your life, or maybe you're unsure of where you stand with God today. Maybe you're unsure that he loves you. Maybe you're unsure that he has truly forgiven you. And you just want somebody to pray with you through that. Or, or maybe you've just, you, you just want someone to come alongside and encourage you and support you in prayer. Or maybe you're here this morning and you do have a relationship with Jesus, but there are big things that are overwhelming you in life, overwhelming you to the point where, you know, perhaps the wind and the waves are crashing in and you're starting to lose focus. And you just need someone to come and remind you of God's promises, remind you of his character, and his care and his love today. If any of those descriptions fit you as we dismiss in a moment, I'm just going to ask you to stay seated. For the rest of you that want to talk and socialize and fellowship, great, I want you to do that. But I'm going to ask you to quick slip out into the atrium and do that out there. If you would like prayer this morning, I'm going to ask that you'd stay in your seat because I have some prayer team members and some worship team members that'll be in here that would love to pray for you this morning before you leave. And then there's one last thing. Maybe you're here and you have already possessed that peace and are experiencing it that I've talked about. And you're just smiling because you know exactly what I'm saying this morning. Maybe God is calling you this Christmas to be a peace bringer.
to someone else. Maybe this morning you want to pray about who uh, you could possibly bring peace to, what that might look like for you. Maybe it's a relationship that's strained and it needs you to step in to bring peace. Maybe it's a coworker or a friend that's being overwhelmed and it needs you to step in to pray for them. Maybe you text them a prayer. Let them know you're praying for them. Encourage them. Or, or, or maybe even physically, it's someone who's struggling this Christmas and you could meet a physical need that they have. You could be the peace bringer to someone this Christmas because it's a gift and gifts aren't meant to be kept. They're meant to be given. So if you have been given that gift of peace, maybe you need to turn around and give it to someone else this Christmas. We could all use a little more peace this Christmas, couldn't we? That's going to come from God alone and it's going to come through our trust and through our thoughts And we unlock that with prayer. So let's pray now, and then I'm going to dismiss you unless you would like prayer. So Lord Jesus, thank you for being the Prince of Peace. Lord, perfect peace. We even celebrated communion this morning, and that, that brings peace. Lord, we know that that is only found in you. So I pray that we truly echo those words this morning. We trust you. Our God, we trust you. May we keep our thoughts fixed on you this Christmas season. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you want to slip out, please do. Otherwise, stay seated. Somebody will come pray with you.